0: Good afternoon. Uh, My name is Karen Ristabin. I'm the president of the Rocky Neck Art Colony. And I'm here today with David Curtis and Judith Curtis. And we're going to be talking about plein air painting. Um, As folks may know, we have a first ever uh, inaugural, first annual Cape Ann plein air event coming up this coming October, October 10th through the 16th. Um, And it is Cape Ann-wide involving all four Cape Ann communities, uh, Gloucester, Rockport, Essex, and Manchester. And all of the arts organizations on and about Cape Ann uh, are involved as well, many, many moving parts. And so we're here today to uh, talk a little bit about that and its um, importance to the Cape Ann community and talk a little bit about the uh, history and tradition of plein air painting on Cape Ann. So um, I, uh, I'm i gonna start the conversation by saying, kind of starting the way we did at the, the last event that David mm-hmm. and I spoke at, which was um, a Sea Arts event about six weeks ago. And I um, gave a little presentation about some of the uh, historical context for Plain plein air painting on Cape Ann and Judith Curtis can do a much better job than I can on that end of things. But mainly um, I started out on that to say that I'm not from a plein air tradition as an artist or um, even as an appreciator. I completely appreciate the skill and admire and and I'm in awe of the skill that it takes to be a plein air painter, a good one. And um, yet I've always wondered the why of plein air painting. Why do people go out with easels in all weather and paint uh, from nature and paint what is already the most you know amazing you know natural world that we have why do people do this david
1: well i I think you get more vitamin d to start (laughs) with right you're out in the sun all day so uh, no i i think it's i think it's for the inspiration that nature provides a great inspiration it's also three-dimensional so i I think you're drawn to nature and the challenge of trying to uh, emulate or imitate nature is 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 always a challenge and I think nine times out of ten you lose the, the battle with nature and nature is the winner so uh, because as the great philosophers said uh, Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, you can't reproduce nature and it's impossible. Uh, so the challenge is there if you really sort of have this inkling. So I, I think, number one, you love nature, you love to be out in nature. Uh, I have a lot of students over the years who are hikers, and so all of a sudden they've come into painting because maybe they can't hike as often, or they're outdoors people who pick up a brush and want to spend more time out outdoors. So there's a lot of that. I think recently I was out setting up to paint, this fellow was walking his dog, and he looked at me, he says, out here to paint. And I said, I'm not sure. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's what, that's what it's all about is, mm-hmm. yes, there's a bit of a battle with the weather conditions and things like that, but that's, that's part of the challenge. Mm-hmm.
0: Give us a little bit of your background, David.
1: Well, I started off, I was very fortunate and had a father who was an artist, Roger Curtis, uh, native of Gloucester, um, and then my uncle was the high school art teacher, Howard Curtis. And so I was fortunate to be raised in an artistic family. My older brothers were both painters as well. So that started, and then I was fortunate to find a teacher in Boston by the name of Ives Gammel, who uh, was much for the craft of painting, which was very necessary. So I started off as probably a a studio painter, portraits, still lifes, interiors. Mm But that wasn't for me. And I learned that early on that, uh, and I was with a friend in the studio and he said, well, what are you gonna do? And I said, maybe I should try landscape. So I'm gonna move back up to Gloucester, the best landscape in the, in the world uh, to paint. And he says, well, let me be the first investor in your landscapes. So he gave me some money. I came to Gloucester. I, that year I did 130 some odd paintings. And um, he, we met almost to the day we made the agreement. He picked out 10 paintings and I always thought those were the best, best 10 paintings I painted that year. Mm. So my odds were pretty bad, <laughs> one out of 13. <laughs> so I figured I better improve. So I practiced and, and, I, and I tell the story to a lot of my students so they understand they're not trying to go out there and make a picture. They're just trying to learn something to take the next step and so i practiced rocks skies trees just kept on practicing and then one day i realized i had a painting you know Mm -hmm. and um i think i I think that's what it's all about yeah but i think there's a love of nature that really inspires uh one to go outdoors to paint i i was also fortunate to meet aldro hibbard a.t hibbard was one of the great rockport outdoor painters mr snow he was called he painted mostly snow pieces in Vermont. And I met him and I was very impressed. I think I was about 16, my father was his agent. And uh, I said, so Mr. Hibbard, what medium do you use? He says, that stuff's not important, kid. Just go out and paint. <laughs> and that was the best advice I ever got, right? Mm-hmm. And all the, I was fortunate to meet all the old, Emil Groupie, the, uh, the old painters who were outdoor painters, and they were all s- sort of in that same ilk, uh, you know, talking, uh, a tough talk about being outdoors. It was a rugged thing to do to paint mm-hmm. plein air paintings, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, they didn't like the term if they were called poets, mm-hmm with brushes, they didn't like that. They, they wanted to be uh, tough artists, out there in the tough environment, you mm. know. Uh, so that was, that was interesting to meet all those painters and get their advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said, uh, so being raised in the environs of, of Cape Ann uh, and then the I think, the, yes, we don't have the ships that maybe were here in the 20s, the beautiful ships that Mohop and some of the early Painters took advantage of Timi, um, but certainly the landscape itself is still still prevalent and still beautiful. You know, mm-hmm.
0: among plein air artists, is there a is there a wide
1: range of approaches? Oh, yes, definitely. No, uh, I was. Judy was doing a tour yesterday at Rocky Neck, and uh, she asked if a small group could gather and paint so she'd have examples of painters out of doors. So, and um, so it was a few, five or six of us out painting, and she came along. And one of the comments the viewer made was, there's five different paintings there there's five different ways of doing it and, and that's I think the beauty of it is and I, why I enjoy teaching so much teaching for almost 25 years now is that you do learn so much about what art is all about which is it's always new It's always new to everybody. If I get a beginning student, it's 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 a blessing. I say you don't know anything, so you're going to do a great job, and they look at you, and they always do because they're painting intuitively, you know. Mm -hmm. And then once they take a bite of that apple, Mm -hmm. they learn a little bit, and uh, then it's tough, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh,
0: Judy, what's your background? Well, my background,
2: I came from England um, about 30 years ago, I came and started taking workshops with David's father, Roger, uh, and I used to come once a year uh, to, to do these workshops, and I thought this was great. I mean, I wasn't very good at painting, but I loved watching Roger work on things and demonstrate, and. When he was talking about painting out of doors, it made perfect sense and As soon as he'd walk off to the next student of course it it I couldn't do it. It took me five years to find out a value was in terms of painting but uh, i I enjoyed being out there and 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 just trying to trying to do something. Um, and I met David once a year for five years, and uh, and then finally he he proposed to me. So I moved <laughs> over here, and, and the rest, as they say, is history.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you are a historian.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm better at the history than I am at painting. So I <laughs> I decided that well, there was no point in in wasting my time or the paint. I would I I enjoyed. Um, the theory of painting I'm really good at that but I can't I see that blank canvas in front of me and I I don't know what to do so I took up writing about art instead.
0: (laughs) So talk a little bit about the theory of plein air painting.
2: Well I think um, having seen David you know start outdoors so many times it's I I really enjoy the way he can look at um, the idea of Um, taking a scene. I I would see this great vista and I wouldn't know where to start and David would say okay well this is what I want to put in and so he would uh, be able to just compose um, an image just by just by looking at uh, at the elements and making a good design. Um, And of course the history of of plein air painting on Cape Ann goes back more than 150 years. Uh, Rocky Neck does talk about being the oldest working art colony in America, and I, th- I think that's probably true. Um, I'm sure there's other people who would like to claim the same thing, but um, Old Lyme, Coscob, Cobb, um, up in Monhegan, there's a lot of areas that have been, had painters working there for many years. But uh, Rocky Neck, East Gloucester, Rockport, they're special in that they um, attracted so many people in the summer that there, there were colonies of, of artists who would come in and stay. And of course, it was very helpful because a lot of the locals would then open boarding houses to take this influx of, of uh, summer visitors. And there'd be the people who were coming in from Boston and New York and Philadelphia, who were the wealthy, uh, wealthy patrons who were trying to. Come up here for the the summer breezes, and so the artists were able to sell paintings to the wealthy patrons. The uh, the locals were getting um, people staying and paying for accommodation, so it really worked very well for everybody. And for the artists, they only had to step outside the hotel door, and there'd be something to paint round here. the The light is great; it's fabulous. I know many places claim theirs is the best light but there's something that is unique about about the light on Cape Ann mm-hmm. um and so it's uh since Fitz Henry Lane was here back in the 1850s that it's gone on from there the paintings he produced was, went out to shows other artists saw them and wanted to come and see for themselves there was just so much here uh as David mentioned about the old uh, the old fishing boats the uh, the schooners they were beautiful they called Smith Cove the uh, the Cove of a Thousand Masts because there were just so many beautiful ships there. And so there was so much material for a plain air painter. Um, where else were people going to go?
0: <laughs> so um, things have changed over the last 150 years. Things have changed over the last 50 years. Yes, they have. Certainly to the local economy and the industries here. Um, what is the... What is the art colony now? I mean, and, and, and what, how do you see it? As a painter, David, or as an art historian, Judith? Um, you know, where
1: are we now with this tradition? Well, I, I think because of the history and because of this, what we're coming up with with the plein air event, that this is probably the first time that the three art associations have sort of merged into one goal. And I think it's a, it's, a, it's a great goal, because I think all those art associations were created. Uh, coming up to not quite 100 years yet for most of them, uh, North Shore and Rockport, but uh, nonetheless, 100 years is a long time, so a lot of history involved here in Cape Ann. And to open the doors so that people, outsiders, and I know some of those great California painters would probably love to come here just to experience the history. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's that's it. So today we're very fortunate to have all the little small museums and history historical things that are happening on Cape Ann. Um, I, I think I think that's its advantage is that we do have these little nooks and crannies to go into. Um, you know, and we don't have one major art or cultural uh, theater. For everything, uh, it's nice to have the Rocky Neck Art Colony, the Nasher Art Association, Rockport Art Association, and they're the original buildings that were founded by these artists, uh, mm-hmm. and the artists put them together. If anything has changed, it would be that these small not-for-profit art associations need probably need to 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 take the next step forward as as not-for-profits mm-hmm. and museum quality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: All of the small not-for-profits support a lot of artists yes. and a lot of community members as well. Mm-hmm. So,
2: Well, as I see the, the area uh, these days, I take uh, groups around Rocky Neck in particular just to discuss so many. They have a wonderful art trail. Uh, and uh, people come from all over the world to to come and see Rocky Neck and see where these artists were actually painting I take groups from Road Scholar and Elder Hostel uh, and they are made up of people from as far away as Hawaii all the different states, midwestern states who probably aren't used to anything like the, the coastal scenery that we have here and it's just amazing that you're able to walk around and, and say, well, you know, Winslow Homer was out on the island painting, um, and here is where Edward Hopper probably stood to paint the mansard roof. It was a painting that made his career. He, he was painting it in 1923. He was trying to get out of the uh, illustration business and become a fine artist, but he didn't have the, the means to do so. Uh, but by doing this watercolour in nineteen twenty three his girlfriend persuaded him to put it in the Brooklyn Museum exhibition and he won the um the 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 hundred dollar um purchase prize. So it gave him the wherewithal to step out and, and do change his career. Winslow Homer was the same. He was practicing watercolours in, in Gloucester. He was an illustrator, had been during the Civil War. Uh, and then he wanted to move into fine art also, and therefore he had to find a way of creating work that that, that would fit into that uh, that genre. So Gloucesters offered a lot of people a lot of uh, a lot of opportunity, and we can still attract people today. Yes, the, the things have changed. the The fishing boats don't look quite as romanticised as the uh, as the old schooners or the the salt bags but it still has a certain ambiance And the fact that the, the history is there as well gives it um, a certain cachet that people can come and they can still see, they can still stand in spots where some of these terrific artists were. I mean, we've probably played host to the, the best artists in America. Um, Frederick Waugh was here in 1910. It was the only time he came. Uh, he painted all summer. He'd have his son, Colton, row him around the harbour in a in a dory and he'd stop off at certain spots and, and paint. Uh, and then he became a member of the North Shore Arts Association for the rest of his life. Although he didn't come back to paint here, it obviously had a huge influence on him. And so when we look around at, at the artists, at the amount of images of Gloucester that are shown around the world no doubt, Uh, they're in the museums, Uh, um, the the MFA for instance has a a room full of paintings that were inspired by painters in Gloucester so it still has uh, some of the sites have changed, some of the places you can't get to to paint anymore because of uh, restrictions but for the most part things haven't changed that much and I think we can still feel that you know, this is where plein air painting started. The, the teachers from the uh, academies, the, the museum school in Boston, from New York, from Philadelphia and Cincinnati, those master teachers would come out to, to Gloucester in the summertime and all their students would follow them. Frank Duvenick from Cincinnati had a group of students called the Duveneck Boys, because they followed him everywhere. If that's where he was going to paint, that's where they would go. Uh, and then, in time, they would become great painters and have their own students. Um, it's been said that Frank Duveneck came here because Gloucester was on the same latitude as Venice, and therefore the light would be the same. I don't know if that's true. I adhere more to the idea that he came here because uh, his, after his wife died, his infant son was brought up by his wife's relatives who lived in Cambridge, and they would come to summer in Gloucester and so Frank Duvenet would come up to Gloucester to see his son. I thought that was more logical. Mm -hmm. But he would come and he would paint, and all his students would paint with him. They would paint him from Banner Hill overlooking the Harbour. They did some fabulous paintings, and they're still out there. Mm. So there are, you know, each teacher would bring People with him, and then they would have their own students. And so it sort of perpetuates this idea of painting out of doors and what Gloucester and and Rockport and Cape Ann in general had to offer.
1: Mm.
0: So the Cape Ann plein air event that's coming up in October. Uh, There will be 40 artists juried in to this uh, week, uh, 40 professional Mm -hmm. artists from all over the country and locally. So uh, many of our local artists are applying as well as people from all over Mm -hmm. the country. And the 40 will be here painting in all four towns for the week and then their work will be shown and uh, offered for sale at the Rockport Art Association on the Saturday night, which is October 16th. Um, And we're hoping to have a lot of people coming in from out of town to meet um the artists and see where they're painting and get to know them and their process and then to purchase some of the arts uh, artworks on site or, mm-hmm. or at, at rockport later uh, there are a lot of associated events as well there'll be a paint out in essex on saturday and an auction at woodman's of those paintings on sunday night the last night the 16th um, i'm sorry the the gala is on the 15th mm-hmm. at rockport um, Anyway, we have so many (laughs) events going on, I can't can't keep them straight in my mind. Uh, We also have a quick draw event on Wednesday in Manchester, which um, will be very fun, and anyone can participate in that, including some of the juried artists, Uh, and that'll be a timed two- or three-hour timed uh, event where you go out. Everyone goes out at the same time and, and, and paints, and then the... The, city, the town bell goes off and everybody has to stop, and that those works will be available that evening in Manchester at the Trask House. Um, so many associated events, a lot of demos will be happening and workshops and such during that week. So um, I am kind of seeing this um, as, as not a revival of the art colony concept, but maybe a different way of considering it in this year, 2016, because we're opening our doors to to put up the artists. We're not having them pay for their own accommodations. As you said mm-hmm. at the beginning of this podcast, Judy, back in the day, the local um, accommodations mm-hmm. would, you know, have rooming ho- the, there would be rooming houses for the artist. Mm-hmm. So we're doing that with this. We're opening up our doors, we're opening up our hearts, we're opening up our pocketbooks, we hope, <laughs> uh, as patrons to be able to support this event going forward. And having it be a national event, I think, is very significant for us as well. Um, can I ask you each to comment on how you see the significance of this?
1: this well, I, year? I think it's uncanny that it's 2016. So 100 years ago, I think, is about the time the Gallery on the Moors started when they Atwoods first visited and saw all these painters in Gloucester and said, Wow, they don't have a place to show. And there was no galleries then. So they created the gallery on the moors. I think it was 1916, 1917. And uh, it was it really opened the doors and and so much so that there was such controversy at that time, nobody not enough space in that gallery was and that formed the Northern Art Association and the Society Gloucester Artists at the same time. So, and most painters belong to both. There were so many painters here, and so many painters began moving here and living here uh, in permanent residence. And so I just thought it was interesting that 2016 was the first one for a plein air event, that then it was the first time somebody recognized the the great outdoor painters. The, the, and, and the term American Impressionism might be relatively new, but these painters that painted here were the American Impressionists. And if we had a strong school of painting, I think it would be the American Impressionists were, was the strongest school that America produced. And it was sort of almost self-discovery, you know, that they went out and just started painting outdoors. They now had colors that they could have in tubes and use those to, to recreate what they saw. So, and, and their, their whole means or their whole goal was to, um, to capture an effect of light on a scene. And, and Gloucester certainly provided that, as Judy pointed out. Uh, so I, I think this event really brings home that that whole historical tradition that we have and I know there's several events that are gonna be related to the history and, and I think that's a great draw and I hope this is this is the beginning of something that becomes bigger and bigger and bigger.
2: Okay. <laughs> Well, as you say, um, this is the first time you've had an event like this uh, in on Cape Ann. And when you look back at all the other areas that have had these plein air competitions, it seems strange that this area where it really started has never had anything like that. So it's definitely time that um, we had one. And I think it's great that uh, so many groups have got together to, to support this. I believe the Chamber, Sea Arts both the Art Associations, North Shore and Rockport, Rocky Neck, there's so many people and the sponsors as well, which we couldn't do without. Um, It's great that they've all got together to be able to um, organize an event like this because I'm sure that there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes that nobody will know about uh, but we couldn't have this event without it. So. <laughs> so, I can attest to that. <laughs> yes, I, I'm sure you can. Um, so I think it's a great opportunity to to bring people here to see where it started. Um, as David mentioned, American Impressionism is uh, the art of you know painting out of doors. The Americans followed this tradition. that They were watching the French Impressionists while they were studying in France, and when they came back to America. Uh, they wanted to keep that impressionist look, that sort of high-key palette and the, just the loose brushwork, the broken brushwork, but they didn't want to lose um, the essence of the, the drawing concept either, and so they the Americans were smart enough to, to keep that drawing ethic, uh, but also to loosen up the idea of the color so that it represented more, you know, you're representing in nature the, the kind of the effect of light on the object that you're seeing. And, you know, K-Pan was perfect for, for practicing that. And therefore, it's, it's right that we should have this plein air competition at last. <laughs> and
0: kudos <laughs> to whoever thought of the idea. <laughs> it started, yeah, it started over a year ago um, between uh, folks from Sea Arts and the chamber and getting together and realizing, doing a little research and realizing that these things happen elsewhere in the country and there has never been one in this part of the world. So um, I think we'll wrap it up. And um, there are many ways to participate in this um, going forward uh, between now and October uh, as a volunteer we will need many volunteers um, you can look at the website www.kpanplainair.com um, you can email uh, to air 2016 at gmail.com um, and you can be a volunteer on many many aspects of it sponsors we definitely need sponsors we have wonderful leading sponsors Applied Materials was one of the first Sotheby's by the sea and uh, the Bells the F- Bell family of Rockport uh, were our first sponsors we are actively seeking additional sponsors individuals and companies um, you can sponsor an award uh, any number of the named awards, you can sponsor an award in your own name or your own company's name, uh, or you can be an event sponsor, just overall an event sponsor. You can also purchase an ad in our program book, which will be produced by the same folks who produced the Rockport Music Program Book, which is a you know, <laughs> world-class, beautiful thing, so they're doing ours too. Um, and. And you can participate by offering housing uh, to one of the artists who come in, one of the forty mm-hmm. who come in from out of state uh, for the week. Um, and uh, there'll be there's information on the website about how to do all of that. So um, thank you again, David and Judith, for coming in, and thank you, yeah. k TV, for doing the podcast. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>